It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, my name's Jess Phillips and this is yours sincerely. Usually in this podcast, I give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. But this week, as part of a special series of episodes to celebrate International Women's Day, I'm speaking to inspiring women about the issues that matter the most to them. Aisha Hazarika, MBE, is a journalist, broadcaster and former political advisor. While working in government, she specialised in women's issues and advised politicians such as Gordon Brown, Harriet Harman and Ed Miliband. She's also an award-winning stand-up comedian who's performed at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and appeared on shows such as Have I Got News For You. Today, I'm excited to talk to her about her International Women's Day theme, Women Don't Need the Traditional Happily Ever After. Well, hello, Aisha. How are you? Hello, Jess Phillips. I'm very well. How are you? Oh, I mean, the world is weighing down on me dreadfully. But, you know, personally, I'm fine. So, this podcast is all about letter writing. As you've been a political apparatchik, I imagine you, you know, you've written quite a few letters in your life. But in your personal life, do you write a lot of letters? Do you know, I don't think I do anymore, but I think that is more the function of modern age. I used to write letters when I was younger. And also I used to receive a lot of letters, which, so I was going through, you know, you've got your box of treasured memories from when you were like at university and stuff. And I was plowing through all those. I moved house recently. One of the things I was really struck by when I was looking through my sort of box of memories, the archive of my life, particularly from university, was the number of letters. I mean, there was loads of kind of like tickets for shit bands and sort of club nights and, and things like that that you have no but, memory of apart from that ticket I, exactly. I thought I, I kept that because I thought I'd never forget that night can't remember it at all loads of things from like Hull University the stomp and the stomp wasn't even like a particularly like great night out but I've treasured like every single like stub from the stomp but I was really struck by the number of lovely lovely letters that I had accrued from my housemates, like basically over the summer holidays, because this was like in the olden days where nobody had email or nobody had like a mobile phone. And you didn't really phone each other because there was one landline in the house and, you know, everyone would have like a bun fight to get. So people used to write letters. And what I loved about these letters from my female friends is 
they're kind of like love letters to each other. They're just like the amount of care and attention. It's almost like a Jane Austen sort of thing. And I just love it. And I've kept them all and they just bring me so much joy. And all the handwriting is so nice in it. So, because I think like a lot of girls really take like care over the presentation. Put, like stickers and, and things on it and stuff as well. Like. Yes. <laughs> flowers we flowers and stuff like that and so I probably was a bit lazy about I'm not very good at sending I'm actually gonna be honest I'm terrible at writing letters or sending cards you know how some people still send Christmas cards like that ship has weight I'm suddenly like a massive Muslim when it comes to Christmas cards I'm like yeah I can't actually send Christmas cards because it would be like haram to my religion it's like yeah right (laughs) so I don't think I was particularly good at writing letters but I was very lucky in that I received a lot of letters and they're just such things of joy. They are. And you keep them, don't you? That's the thing. You keep them. Have you got any letters of note? I've had people who've had letters of Bill Clinton. Yeah, I've had a couple of right. So I've had a couple of... Funnily enough, they tend to sort of go back in my sort of earlier career. So I remember really weirdly getting... Well, I think my first ever nice letter from a politician was from George Osborne. I know it's so weird. It's so I wasn't even involved in politics at the time. I was working for a record company, EMI, and I was a stand-up comedian as well. And I'd been a civil servant and I won this award. I won like kind of like Asian Women of the Year, like Young Achiever Awards, like back in the day, about 3,000 years ago. And I got this really lovely letter from the House of Commons that was like dead exciting, posted to my work address at EMI. And I think there'd been some stuff in the papers and things. And got this very nice letter from George Osborne saying, congratulations, what an achievement. You're obviously doing really, really well. If you if you ever wanted to have a coffee, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, like George Osborne, like never in a million years, because I was like really labour at this point. And then, of course, I ended up working for him at the Evening Standard many, many, many years later. Did you tell him, I've got this letter? No, I didn't actually. It was only until like, I started thinking about this podcast. I thought, oh my God, he did actually send me a letter. I also got a very nice letter from Sadiq Khan. I did a documentary called The Funny Thing About Being a Muslim. And it was all about looking, no, the funny thing about Ramadan. It was looking at the whole issue of Ramadan, funnily enough. And I got a very, very nice letter from Sadiq, which my mum was very impressed by. And, you know, she was like, oh, that's because she loves like Sadiq Khan. So I think they're my main letters of no. Who else have I had? I think that's kind of it, really. None from uh, Barack Obama. Michelle, never written you a letter. How rude. Re- like, so rude. Like, so rude. <laughs> like, she would be at. Like, seriously. Michelle with the good arms. Have, I mean, write a letter of, with you, those good oh arms. God. Do you know, I used to have a picture of Michelle Obama's arms on my fridge to help me, and it didn't work. <laughs> It was like two tickets to the gun show. Like, you know, it's just ripped. And mine's like two tickets to the sort of like bingo wing show, basically. And it's like, yeah, so that didn't work for me. Have you had many letters of, of note? Uh, not from Michelle, but I mean, obviously I've got letters and stuff from the Queen and stuff. I don't think she wrote them to me herself, but like you get invited to things. I've got some, not not particularly world leaders. I mean, sometimes really famous people will write to you and like, and you weren't expecting it like, Philip Pullman, who wrote the Dark Materials books, he sent me a letter basically saying, you know, you're basically a Lyra. I was like, that, that is... Oh, wow! Yeah, like, that's nice, isn't it? That's a really cool letter. Mm-hmm. 
normally we ask you to you know do three letters but the theme for international women's day which i'm now stretching into a whole month it's like birthday month christmas for women i'm stretching it out for a whole month because they've stretched christmas out but um (laughs) (laughs) so we've asked you to come up with a a theme uh, and why you chose it around women so what is your theme what is the letter you would write to womankind So the letter I would write to womankind, and I think I would really, I mean, I'd aim this at womankind of all ages, but particularly younger womankind, when you're forming all the ideas in your head about what life should look like and what success should look like, what happiness should look like. My letter and my message would be, don't look for your prince charming. Don't think your story has to complete with the cliched picture of Prince Charming coming along, saving you, scooping you up and putting you in like a horse with him. I don't know how he's going to scoop you up while he's on the horse, but anyway, you might have to have a small stepladder to get up on the horse. And sort of riding off into the sunset with uh, a man. I say man because the way society is conditioned is still completely very heteronormative. We're still aeons away from where we should be about. You can be with who you want. And I just think, that image of the optic of a complete full life for a woman always involves being saved by some kind of prince figure. And it isn't just being like, it's always involving some kind of saving. And it's always involving some man who society has told you from a young age has got to be more than you, has got to be sort of better than you. They have to be bigger than you physically. They have to be richer than you is a really important part of the cliche. They have to be sort of somehow more have more status than you, have more authority than you, have more gravitas. So you're sort of like the kind of silly little thing who's flailing around being a bit of a hot mess and then the big old prince comes and like scoops you up and saves you. And that fairy tale which we are told from a young age from the bloody Cinderella slipper nonsense to you know so many of the bloody Disney films I know they're kind of changing it now but the narrative from fairy tales as we are young like little toddlers right through to when we think we're an empowered women watching crap like Sex in the City even though I did enjoy it but it is just such a ridiculous message do you know what I mean and like you know, all the bloody rom-coms that we have been fed this diet of and all the bombardment of the sort of dramatic and media and advertising and creative narrative says to you, if you do not end up with this like mythical Prince Charming character, you have somehow failed in life. And all that does is set women up for just having like they haven't achieved in their life because they have not met their perfect Prince Charming. It's like years wasted where women are sent off in this like chase, this mythical chase to find their Prince Charming. And then it's even more, I think, pernicious now, particularly when we look at these new modern phenomenons, particularly around online dating and things like, you know, I watched that program on Netflix, the Tinder swindler. I don't know if you've seen that. The woman, the first woman, the opening scene of that, where she's talking about watching Beauty and the Beast. And then she say, and like, I mean, obviously, as somebody who worked in human trafficking services the whole time, I was like, don't get on a plane with somebody you've just met on Tinder. But just how capable he was of leaning on those things that we've been told to swindle people was and it, it wasn't their fault. It was that he knew exactly like there's a guide online to tell you 
oh, you know, women like men who like animals, women like men who've got a lot of money, women like men who who love their families. And it's like, it's so awful, that programme. It was so awful. And I, look, I'll be honest with you, I was actually really quite awful. When I first watched it, I was actually quite... I was definitely quite harsh on the women, partly because I'm Glaswegian. I'm like, there's no way, there's no way anyone from Glasgow is going to be like, yeah, I'll give you my credit card. I'm like Indian and Glaswegian. I am so tight. There is no way I'm giving money to anybody that I've not met, right? So there's that first of all. But then when I started really thinking about it, and particularly towards the end where it does get very harrowing, it just really made me think about the letter that I would write because I thought these poor women have absolutely been sold this like myth that they've got to tap into and this guy is so smart he knows the code he knows like how to press their emotional pin buttons his their pin number to get in to unlock that thing in 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 their head and I just thought this we have reached a stage in society where women are not only like losing so much of a happy life. They could be having a happy, fulfilled life, pursuing a really interesting, worthwhile career, hobbies, friends, adventures, travel, creativity. That is lost for a lot of women because they spend so much time trying to find the acceptable man. Now women are losing out financially because, you know, this. there is genuinely a whole thing about women being preyed on, particularly like slightly older women as well. And it just did make me think that watching the Tinder Swindler absolutely cemented in my head just how pernicious this myth is that we start feeding young girls from such a young age. And the thing that was, I suppose, conflicting, and I don't know what you felt about this, was a lot of the abuse they got on social media when they went public with it was like, you're just all gold diggers. Because the, if this guy, by the way, had popped up on Tinder and even all those other things, like he loved his cat and he loved his mum, but he was like, if he said, oh yeah, like basically, you know, I don't know, I work at, I work in the council, I work in the refuse section of the council. They Trust me, they would not have been like, oh my God, this guy's... They were all caught up in the status. They were caught up in the status and the money and the fact that this guy was always doing a deal. Like, you know, he was some kind of Alan Sugar. I mean, the only deal he was doing was probably like a Domino's two for one, like on a Monday night. But they're like, oh my God, he's like doing a deal. And it just made me think, God, the gender cliche stereotypes that we are fed from such a young age. Men, and this is actually a bad thing for men as well. Men aren't just allowed to be nice men. Men are not allowed to be like... I do love my cat and I do love my mum and guess what? I'm a teaching assistant. I'm a really great bloke. It's like, no, to be a proper man, you have to have tons of fucking money, have some kind of yacht, um, like have a private jet and be closing a deal the whole time. I mean, we are just, we are still here. We are in 2022. We think we're really advanced. We're having all these like mad culture wars about how advanced we are. As pe- We're not. We are still so basic in terms of the bloody stereotypes and the constraints we put women into and the constraints we put men into. I remember once uh, when I was first elected, sort of quite hoity, uh, toity uh, person said to me, so what does your husband do? And I said, uh, he loves me. And they were like, no, no, what does he do? I was like, he just does that all day long. Why are you interested in the status of my husband exactly? What's it got to do with anything? Just a bloke. He's not involved in the politics. Don't worry about him. 
Yeah, it's it is, and also my friend Anna, who um, works for me, she said to me the other day that for years, as a woman in her thirties who was single, people literally like thought that she was dangerous. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like people are like frightened of you for some reason. Like they like sort you. of like you're like sort of Novichok, kind yeah. of, like, sort of like sort of feminist Novichok. Yeah, she's just like I don't really know. Like, or people assume there must be something wrong. There's something wrong or you're dangerous. And she's just like, people don't know how to behave with you um, when you're in your 30s and you haven't got a kid and uh, you haven't got a partner. Other friends of mine who don't have long-term partners, they have to do this process of coming to terms with the fact that they might never. And it's sort of like, you didn't die. (laughs) You're still alive. Listen, look, check this vein. If you can feel a, a beating every so often you are still it's called a pulse and you are still alive you have a life but this is what I mean Jess like I so like identify with with this because you know I'm not married I don't have children I like often will get asked like why aren't you married or what happened or and you're like nothing happened like I'm having a really quite nice sort of life and I just feel that like the other thing that I feel very sad about for a lot of women, and I know loads of women who are sort of my age and they're still single, but they're, they do feel, some of them are really happy, but others do feel like they have failed in, in, and they're always like apologizing for themselves or, you know, it's like one last heave. And what I feel so angry about is that I don't know, I know loads of men who are like my age, I'm 46 single living the life like nobody ever looks at them with sadness in their eyes or goes you know it's like you are this amazing person and also a lot of these men who are like single apart from the ones that live in the basement of their mum's house obviously but you know they are living fabulously interesting lives they are they have done fantastic things with their career they are cultured they are well travelled. They have hobbies. Oh my god! This is the other thing that does my head in jest. This is another thing which, like, girls are not told from a young age. Girls are told to like play house. Boys are allowed to go off and have adventures. And what I think happens as you get older in life, women don't have hobbies. Like, men are allowed to have so many hobbies, and women's hobbies are like making the house look nice, or making yourself look nice, or preparing a nice dinner. And it's like, no. What about you having a hobby? for yourself which is like not pilates no absolutely my husband like he's got more hobbies than i mean literally we have like a whole garage just for the hobbies which come and go he's <laughs> he's never not got something on the go he's always like building something he goes climbing he's like you know he's he's like properly like out there living a life like with proper hobbies. I mean, some of them are really obscure but um, and weird. But, you know, I don't have any hobbies. It's awful when people say that to me. What do you do with your weekends? And I can come up with nothing but drinking. <laughs> that's a hobby. I mean, look, that's an admirable hobby. You're a bon viveur. You're a bon viveur. That's allowed. I, I drink and I dance around to the same 10 90s R&B <laughs> hits with my girlfriends. That's what we do. Uh, but my husband, like, you know, he'd be like knocking up some sort of like whole bloody piece of furniture for me at the weekends that sounds like good amazing. i know he built a, he built a greenhouse just before uh storm eunice it did stand up to the test of uh <laughs> it's amazing timing that is amazing timing my friend jess she's on tinder and 
she was saying to me, two of my friends who, she's been divorced twice, she's got three kids, and um, another of my friends who goes on Tinder dates and stuff, and she says she meets men and they say, like, you know, I don't want anything serious, and she can hear that. She's like, fair enough, we'll just have a few dates, we'll have some fun, that's fine. Men are allowed to say that. When my friend Jess says that, she says, oh, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm not, you know, she's been married twice, for God's sake. When she says it, it's like people can't hear it. People think, oh, she doesn't really mean it. I'm going to save her from yes. this idea that she doesn't. And she's just like, why, why is it when a man says that they can be heard? But I can't be heard. I can't be heard when I just say, I'm just interested in a few nice nights out. Yeah. Because it, it's it's the narrative, isn't it? It's like it disrupts that narrative. It's sort of, we're still set in our ways where women have to be the kind of givers of, of care and they have to sort of play the second fiddle and they, you know, they want to have the sort of fairy tale ending. I mean, I'd love a whole reset of that narrative. I'd love, to, and, you know, any of my friends who have, you know, kids or my, my niece, don't tell them about don't instill in their head oh have the fairy tale wedding say to them like what is the big adventure you want to do with your life like what is the kind of hero that you want to be like what is the what are all the exciting things that you want to do like if there was a film about your life what would you want to see in it they're the, they're the things that boys are instilled with from such a young age and I just find it astonishing that in this day and age we are still and I don't think, it's not that parents are doing it deliberately. It's just like a, it's a kind of 360 sort of society pressure. Like I met a friend a couple of days ago and she was saying that, you know, she's she's pretty right on as you can imagine. Very like, she's trying to be all gender neutral. Her little boy is already talking about like infrastructure projects with diggers and, and things like that, right? And the little girl is like, I want to do a cooking and do ki- like get a little kitchen. And she's like, how has this happened? I mean, my son, sometimes they'll say things and I think, how could you think such a thing? Like, how could you have fallen for this when I am your mother? Like, this is unbelievable. But it happens. You can't, you cannot get away from it. It's horrendous. So the practical thing is, is to, that you would tell people to do is to say like, What's the adventure you want to have? What is the adventure you want to have? And also, B, and if, if you know, if society still persists with this ludicrous, you, you've got to have this mythical, amazing man that's going to come and save you. Be better than that man that is going to come and save you. Be bigger, be better. Yeah, be better, be bigger, be richer, be more interesting, be, be smarter. Totally. So, how would you sign off the letter um, that you would send on International Women's Day to all women telling them to just, you know, be badass themselves? I would say fortune favours the brave and you do not need a Prince Charming to save you. You are more than capable of saving yourself and you are also more than capable of being the most brilliant friend and partner and cheerleader to yourself and go forth and live your life with courage and excitement and some terror, but lots of thrill as well. I um, I do lots of work with um, a project, a domestic abuse project in Birmingham. And Jackie, the woman who works there, she's an absolutely brilliant and uplifting uh group where they do group work with people and she said the trouble is with a knight in shining armour is he's usually a twat in tinfoil 
love it. Oh my god, that yeah. is so good. I want that on a t-shirt. Can I just say they have since one of the women from the group had genuinely cross-stitched it into a thing. <laughs> they've got like they've got like this sampler and they've made Christmas cards out of it. And it's got like a it's got like a picture of a knight in shining armor. I should send it to you. It's absolutely brilliant. So yeah, uh, often a knight in shining armor turns out to be a twat in tinfoil. That's so good. I also I think the final final thing I'd sign off is stop looking for just romantic love acknowledge all the amazing romantic love you have in your life with all the amazing women around you and I suppose that loops back to what I was talking about earlier when I found those like stack of letters from all my best friends from university they are like better than the kind of crappy thin hollow cliched little love letters I have from the various rubbishy boyfriends I've had in my life the letters from my girlfriends are everything. They are amazing. They will be the things that when I'm sort of 90 and dribbling with a full beard in a home, I will be clutching onto. And, you know, we put so much store in this cliched Mr. Big romantic love. You have so much romance from your girlfriends around you. Like the women in your life will provide you all the love and nourishment and, and brilliance and companionship you need. I 100% agree. Thank you so much, Aisha. You have been absolutely brilliant, as expected. I'm glad to share my twat in tinfoil with you. Uh, <laughs> trademark Jackie. Jackie from Birmingham. It is a great line. Um, so uh, thank you very much. And you're absolutely right. And I count you as one of the women who provides me with such succour. So thank you very much. Oh, it's been such a pleasure, Jess. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you follow Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips on the podcast provider of your choice. And why not write a letter to your friends telling them all about this podcast? You could also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod. Goodbye. 